You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Drink it in, man. Left side carry on, picks up a block, at the five, at the two, at the one to the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Drink it in, man. Get up, Stafford throws. It is end zone. Caught! Oh, baby, what a catch! Kenny Gallagher, you're a freak! What a catch! Touchdown, Detroit Lions! I love the Lions! Say it with me! I love the Lions! Drink it in, Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, we are here on a Friday. It's the end of the week. Hope everybody's doing good. Hope you had a great week, either at home, at work, wherever you may be. We're at the end of June here, and uh, before you know it, be into July, less than a month away from what should be football. I'm getting a little nervous, I got to admit, with uh, some things I hear, and then right as I start to get nervous, I hear people say, oh, don't worry, there's definitely going to be football, so... We'll see what happens. I'm keeping my mind open for all things. Uh, we've got a packed show here for you on a Friday with all types of Lions talk. And uh, you know who's going to bring it to us. You know who's going to get me fired up if you heard our Wednesday show. And that's the one and only Grifka. Grifka, what's going on, my man? How are you? Um, doing good. Doing good. It is officially summer this week. It, it was the first week of summer where it's the full, full week. So it's going to be – it's been hot up here in Michigan. And it's going to be a great weekend or weekend away from the force. Everybody just once again, you know, stay safe, like Derek mentioned, and, you know, TGIF. <laughs> All right, we got that out of the way. Grifka, let's get it moving. We're talking Lions. What the heck we got going on besides the weather, your TGIF garbage? And and please don't tell me you're going to bring up like a Lions 24-7 article or, I mean, I had to take care of Adam Rank last week on my solo show. I mean, I hope you heard that. I hope you heard me drop that knowledge, those those rhymes and things I was dropping. I mean, don't make me open up a can on you today. Yeah, I heard I, your Adam Rank stank. That was, I was like, he's a poet. He doesn't know it. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I did listen to that. That was very entertaining. Um, <laughs> and, uh, one thing I wanted to touch base with you on, I just have a couple questions perfect. for you. We touched base on Martha, you know, handing the handing the keys over to uh, I don't know, I can't remember what Sheila is her name, I believe, something that's, like that. That's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so my my first question for you is, how do you think 
do you think the direction of the team is going to kind of like stay where Martha was going with it? Do you think it's going to kind of go towards the way, you know, you know, senior was running it kind of like a lot of head scratchings, like how come this guy's still the coach or, or do you think she'll be more hands-on or do you have any idea like where this direction is going to stay or you just going to, going to stay like status quo? Griffka, I explained this to you already on Wednesday show, like the, what, what forward senior, what Martha did, what her daughter, it, it, where's, where's my rock clip when I need it? It doesn't matter what they do because all they're doing is signing checks and being figureheads for the organization. You know what matters, Griffka? Why I tell you every week on this podcast, what Bob Quinn does matters. What Matt Patricia does matters. What the football players do is what matters and what wins at the highest level. And people can come in and tell you, oh, exactly. Like they haven't done anything. Look at their records. Like I, I've seen some articles here recently. I'm sure these are the ones that you pass by when you're cruising your websites. It's the, it's the positive articles group because it's the one where pro football focus, you know them, the, the, the people that – basically look at every nuance of every play of every football game ever, other than sitting in their lazy boy and watching a couple plays here or there. Yeah. Those people, they, they said the lions have the best roster in the NFC North. I don't know who said it. I, I hope I have that uh, right, but they, they, they said they got a great roster top to bottom. And, and I think I've seen other people say that too, not only predicting the win, but saying like, if you really dig deep, they, this roster continues to turn over and continues to, not only get better, but add younger, more versatile football players, get the type of team, the type of people Matt Patricia wants. So that's the kind of thing that's going to turn everything around. Like, what do you think if they just sold the team tomorrow and somebody new came in, they're going to automatically like have good football team, have a good head coach, have a good GM. Like it just doesn't work that way. Like, yeah, you have to make decent decisions when you, when you change over regimes, but nothing Martha Ford ever did was ever, getting us wins or losses on Sundays. I'm sorry to break it to you, but uh, I mean, I know Martha, you know, they're in the, uh, you know, the, the blue blocker she had on wanted you to think that, Oh, she, she came in and just cleaned house. You know, she's, she's going room to room, just firing people like, okay, great. You know, that should have been done years ago. But other than that, I mean, there wasn't anything being done from an ownership perspective. It's all about football people, football on the field. And yeah, would you love to have a big dynamic owner that could come out and do more press conferences and, you know, hire the perfect people every time? Of course you would, but we know a lot of owners, a lot of people that are out and about more that, that don't get wins either. So, you know, uh, I just think it's a bunch of nothing to be honest. Like, I mean, everybody rags on the Fords for their ownership. I just think they've not only picked the wrong people, but have had some issues meddling instead of getting good football people in here and letting them do what they do, which is somewhat what they're doing now, even though it hasn't created W's yet. they're sticking with this regime and letting it ride a little bit rather than every three, four years, we got to flip it over again. I mean, simple as that, man. So you're looking for them to be more of like the Roonies and less of the Jerry Jones then. That's you would rather have them. You'd rather have more like the Roonies in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but I mean the Roonies too have a certain not only respect level, but yeah, they hire good people. They let them do what they do. But you know, the you got to be engaged to some degree. But you also just have to let your you know what the Kevin Colbert's the GM. He's been there what. 10, 15 more years, probably longer than that. Uh, Aviators, Mike Tomlin's been there over a decade plus. Like 
that's why they get success because of the consistency and because they they brought in good people they stick with them i mean mike tomlin had a couple tough years there either early on or in his mid-career they didn't just boot him and bring in the next flashy toy or or try to make the fans happy by just firing everybody mike valente style no they hang in there and they just ride things out and over time it creates a good culture good organization and consistent winning so yeah that hasn't happened yet here with our detroit lions but it's because we're we're changing coordinators changing gms changing head coaches at, at, a, at a whim most times or staying with guys that everybody can tell are horrible for what six seven years too long like your favorite gm ever matthew millen i mean you got to have your finger on the pulse and know when to make decisions but you have to have people that are good decision makers and that's not a 94 year old martha ford going oh you know who i think should be gm no like you need her putting people in place that are like wow i'm a 20-year nfl executive and i know what wins and who needs to be hired and who needs to be fired and the closest thing they have right now to that is Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia because those guys have won Super Bowls. They've been in a top organization. And, yeah, it hasn't worked here yet in Detroit, but they're the people that I would count on to make tough decisions and know what they're doing more so than a 94-year-old lady or 68-year-old daughter or old man Ford or Junior or Broadwood or anybody, right? I mean, it, it seems pretty simple to me just that – yeah yeah you gotta have an organization like pittsburgh is the goal but you gotta do the right things to get there and that's consistency longevity and and i want to say hiring the right people but i almost want to say finding the right people to hire the right people more so you mentioned rod wood and he's he's just isn't he just kind of like the bean counter though saying yeah we can he's your salary cap guy it's like yeah we can finagle the numbers to make this guy fit in and you know That's does does, does, does he technically really need to know if a guy can play in a cover two scheme on on defense or be able to you know run good routes in a slot i mean does technically mm-hmm. he need to know that stuff or is he just the guy that does does Griffin. all the creative accounting to make it make the salary cap work Griffin, don't don't get me upset again and please please listen to me when i when i when I talk like the reason that we're not good is because we have people like Rod Wood in the position he's in. You know why? Cause he's a family friend. He is a bean counter. He doesn't know anything about football other than me or you on this podcast where he watched games for years or he's a fan or he, he thinks he knows he doesn't know. And that's the problem is that Sheila Ford Hamp is, is, you know, Rod Wood's best buddy. They, you know, unless she just boots him out of town and brings in like a team president that has a bunch of clout and that will at least give, you know, the Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia a chance. That's the problem with this organization is like, Oh, you're the estate owner. You've done a great with our uh, Ford estate. Well, that doesn't mean you should be the vice team president of a football NFL football team. I mean, I've given Rodwood credit on the jerseys, some of the stadium improvements, whatever it may be. But like you said, if he was just sitting back giving accounting tips and, and shutting his mouth, you know, no problem. But when he's out there giving, you know, thoughts uh, on, you know, team construction and how the organization should be built and he's in on every meeting, it's like, Hey, hey, Sheila. Hey, Rod. We, we don't need you in on 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 these meetings. You want you want to come to the annual, you know, Christmas dinner? Great. You you want to come just hang out for lunch? No problem. But when we're talking about draft prospects, when we're talking about how we want to build this team for the long haul, 
yeah, yeah, leave that leave that time open on your Outlook calendar. You, you're not needed for those meetings, okay? And like instead, they sit in on everything because they want to like quote unquote know or be involved. That's what she keeps. I want to be involved. It's like you can be involved on certain things, other things you need to be uninvolved. And that's the problem, I think, is that the Lions always have all these people involved. And a lot of times it's the wrong people at the wrong time in the wrong spot. And the first person is like Rod Wood. If he was if he was still with the organization and was was focused on, you know, business, uh, business accounting and fan experience and so other things like that. No problem. You can have a job for life. You know, here's a, here's your corner office. But you, you need football people, as I said on Wednesday. And as I'm saying now, and until they get that. They just got family, friends, or people they're comfortable with instead of the the only people they're not comfortable with that they brought in is Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, two people that, you know, may tow the company in line a little bit because they have to, but they're also people that I guarantee have said a lot of things that the Fords never have heard before and never wanted to hear. So that, that's my take. I'm glad, I'm glad you got that off your chest. Thank I don't, you. I don't want you. I, I don't want you, like, you know, going to sleep, you know, with that, you know, you thinking about that. So uh, I'm glad you got rid of that. And so it's always good to uh, be able to like say on Twitter. I got to, I got to educate you. I mean, you, you're over here like, you know, supporting Rod Wood or thinking that, uh, you know, they did this because Martha Ford's about ready to keel over. And I'm telling you like, this is a, this is a lateral move. This is a sideways move that shouldn't impact much, but it's not going to, it's not going to help us either until they, until they decide, Hey, instead of, the, the family friend accountant. Let's go get a, a top level NFL team president. Let's have Bob Quinn right under him. Let's have Matt Patricia right under him. Let's have a really good scouting staff, the best of the best. Let's have top analytics, top facilities. That's what wins at a high level. Not uh, not these people that you're comfortable with or that you enjoy spending time with. <laughs> enjoy spending time. Did you invite Rod to the Christmas party? Of course he did. I love hanging out with him. What, okay. What's what's Martha's most favorite quote, other than the one I do half the time on the show as a gimmick? There, her other quote that she's known for is, "I love Jim Caldwell." <laughs> it's like nobody cares if you love Jim Caldwell. Is he good enough to coach this team? Is he going to win us a Super Bowl? No. Okay, bye bye. <laughs> See you later, Reverend. You know that that's that's the way they need to run their business, and they, and they're not going to do it that way. Okay. As, um, as one more quick question to you before we stop to pay the bills. Um, now that uh, Martha's, you know, stepped aside, what do you think she does with her days? I think she's like maybe the, you know, work in the front desk, you know, at Ford Field, something like that. Or what do you think she does? Griff, could, I mean, the way you've teed up that question, it sounds like almost a loaded question. Like you would want to maybe hear what it might sound like to have Martha Ford at the front of the guest services booth when you enter Ford Field. Is that what you're getting at? Oh, of course. That, I would. I would love to know if I walked into ask about Ford Field and she's sitting there. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask about, you know, tickets for, uh, you know, a group outing. You know, what would she sound like if I wanted to take, you know, the Boy Scouts to a game? I mean, I can only imagine Griffka, but it might go to something like this. <clears throat> I, I know you want to come to the game with the Boy Scouts, but do you want to hear about my favorite memory? <laughs> My favorite memory hasn't happened yet. You know why? Because I want to win the Lombardi Trophy. Yay! <laughs> and then and then she follows it up with, 
And and if you buy a certain amount of tickets, we can get you a great discount at the Sunglass Hut. Just want to let you know that's a little perk for season ticket holders. It's just a little something I do for the people. I mean, like th- this is the kind of stuff you get from Marcy. I'm sure she's a sweet lady. I'm sure she's super nice, but uh, that's that's similar to what she might sound either at the ticket booth or the guest services. She might help you find your seat. She might shake your hand. I know you like that, Grifka. She might uh, take care of you with with a pair of shades. But other than that, like. I don't know what she does on her day. I don't know what else she would be up to. Uh, to me, again, I hate to I hate to rip it, but to me, the the Ford family is a a very privileged family. You know, it's not like they they work to earn their billions of dollars, basically just handed to them on a on a silver platter, uh, literally, literally and figuratively. So, again, nice lady. I'm sure she's a you know tremendous, uh, kind person, but you know, just just not a not a team owner that we want for our NFL football franchise. And I mean, we'll wait and see on her daughter. And, and like I say, I don't know that ownership's the issue, but you know, hopefully they can get the right mix and, and start winning ball games. And like I say, I think it comes down to football players. And I think we have a pretty sneaky 2020, 2021 football team. And now they got to go out and prove it. So we'll see if they can do that. I hope so. Okay. Um, let's do this. Let's, uh, once again, let's hit the commercials. You know, this one, I think we might have had to uh, do some fun editing on Wednesday show, but let's take a pause for the cause and pay some bills here. Everybody, we'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, we're back from the break. Thank you, listen, for our sponsors, Anchor Podcast, Spotify, all those great sponsors that keep us going. Again, just a reminder. You can hit us up on Twitter, uh, find me at Derek Oakery, or you can get um, Grifka at Grifka DKC. You can call up our call-in line, leave us a funny message. We might play you on the show. W- what's that number again there, Waffle Maker? Oh, that number is 989-272-3484. 989-272-3484. If we had to do the last four digits with players, what, what might that sound like? That would be Kevin Smith. And Herman Moore. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, the other thing I want to remind people, I know it's a tough time, but uh, I know I've reached out to some people and they're, um, you know, asked them if they'd consider um, sponsoring our podcast. You know, there's a little link when we when we send it out on Wednesdays and Fridays, when you click on it, there's a little button that says support. You could give a dollar a month, four bucks a month. Um, that really helps me and Grifka like keep our technology up where we can, um, you know, keep our equipment going as well as all the time and effort we put on to put on two quality shows here. And then I do the Believe BLEAV and Lions podcast on Mondays as well. So three podcasts a week talking Lions. I know this is sort of the down period. But before you know it, it'll be July, August, September heading into football, and it's going to get crazy. It's going to get fun. So if you could ever um, support our show that way, that really helps out a ton too, as well as leaving a positive review on iTunes if you think we've earned it. We love that as well. So, Grifko, what are we talking about on the backside of the show here? And please don't don't get me upset again because I hate to yell at you for two straight shows. No, this is going to be a fun show oh, this boy. part because we are going to the Wayback Machine. 
And we've been talking about roster construction, you know, guys that have been signed, you know, free agents. And I went back and I did some looking and I just grabbed a few names of people that I thought were like, you know, good signings and other people that I thought were like good signings at the time that turned out to be bad signings. So uh, I want to throw these names at you and uh, get your thoughts on them and like what you thought at the time and what, you know, when they finally got here and you got to see them, what you, you know, what you thought of them at the end. So uh, let's do this. You want to go with the good people that I thought turned out to be good or the, uh, or the bad people first. Oh my gosh. The fact that you asked makes me laugh. And the fact that you have anybody in your good category makes me laugh. So of course I want to go to the good category because I'm the positive one on the show. And because, um, you know, the fact that you found a positive player to talk about, just, I can't wait to hear. Let's, let's do this. Sure. I mean, I, I thought you might want to end on the good, but okay. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Well, let's do this. Um, I'm going to bring out this one. What did you think? of when they signed back in 2010, Kyle Vandenbosch. I'm going to go with he was a good player. I thought he had some productive, productive years here. What did you think of Kyle Vandenbosch? <laughs> um, I know exactly where I was uh, when all that went down. I was actually visiting my uh, my Uncle Dean, and it was right around free agency, and there was, there was lots of uh, rumor innuendo about certain guys we were going to go after. I remember that was the draft, too, where um, – you know, I really wanted Russell Okung, the left tackle, you know, in that draft. And uh, yeah, the night of free agency, they went and they, they showed up on Nate Burleson and Kyle Vandenbosch's doorstep. Good old Jimmy Handshake, Jimmy Schwartz uh, went and got that done personally by, by, you know, showing up in the dark of night in his car and waiting till the, the deadline struck and got out and got those done. I think the story goes that Schwartz brought like uh, what bottle of wine and some stuff to Vandenbosch and his wife and just a whole schmooze fest. So, I mean, to me, KVV was that player that we, we kind of get excited about in Detroit or, or just when that kind of stuff happens because yeah, we needed a rush player. Like, yeah, he, he was one of those, you know, hustle players. I mean, I I'd have to think about it, but I mean, he had some dog tendencies, uh, <laughs> But he had the he had the red you know contact lens. But when you really break it down, he was a he was a white defensive end that wasn't very athletic, and that if he couldn't hustle and get after you, he couldn't he couldn't do much. You know, so he had a little bit of of good stuff. I remember when he first got here, and then he really tailed off to where he just couldn't get it done anymore. And we're sitting there sort of holding the bag. So I mean. Again, I was probably in that mix of excited because of where he came from and what he had done up to, but where I'm at now with knowing football a bit more, like, you know, I would project that, you know, that type of player isn't going to win at a high level at the age he was at for the next however many years we signed him. And that's pretty much what happened. You know, he came here, made a few plays, got everybody excited, showed off for the crowd. And the next thing you know, it was like, hey, where's KVB? Anybody seen him? Oh, he's cut. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what it felt like, like maybe a year or two of, of good play. And then a couple years where we just got burned on it. So that's what okay. I'd say. Uh, what about this one? I believe it's back in 2003, if I remember correctly, Dre Bly. Um, Dre Bly was like, like, what? 
You remember watching Dre Bly play? Or did I go back too far for you? I can't remember. <laughs> oh, I, rem- I remember him. I was just going to say, like, it was sort of like as just I was getting into, uh, you know, a lot. I remember him being the all or nothing type corner when I first got going. And unfortunately, kind of like now even, you know, the, the Lions never really highly invested in corners other than him and a couple players here or there. So he was like the golden goose of like, oh, you know, Dre Bly's there. He's our cover corner. He's our turnover machine. And there were years where he got his hands on a bunch of footballs and made some fun plays. And then there was times where it was like, that's our, that's our top guy. I mean, he's out there getting abused sometimes too. So, I mean, I liked him just cause he had that swag too. I mean, again, I've always been a Dion fan. So, you know, he just had that ability where he, he believed in himself and he had the, you know, the swagger on the field, but I mean, like I say, they got him sort of after he had done some things, what, in St. Louis or whatever, and then he came here and had a, a year or two. So, you know, maybe he had a few more years than that of good play, but it was never it was never like top, top-level corner play. I don't know. Or am I wrong? Was he like a top corner back then? I can't remember. Yeah, he wasn't upper echelon, but like you like said, he was the guy that uh, – he, he wasn't uh, – I think he made maybe – I think he made a pro bowl or two while he was here. Yeah. If I remember correctly. So, yeah, like I say, it was a little forward, but I remember him getting some pick sixes or getting some plays that were exciting, but nothing that ever translated into a bunch of W's, which like we talk about on this show is really what it's about at the end of the day. Okay. What about this one back in 2011, Stephen Tulloch? Oh, Tulloch. um, Gosh, he was that guy that like, again, uh, 2011, I'm, I'm getting deeper into football, still not where I'm at today in, in regards to player, you know, knowledge and whatnot, but Tulloch was that under the radar kind of like, if you knew football, you knew him from, from Tennessee there, but he hadn't really come into his own. And, and that was the name, you know, everybody was talking about like, Hey, Lionsgate Tulloch, he could be that, that middle linebacker, that captain type player. And you know, I was on board with it when he came here. I really became a he became a favorite player of mine just because such a good good guy, hustle player. I feel like he brought exactly what you what you really needed. You know, he was always out there sort of making plays in the middle of the defense. And I think he not only lived up to his contract for the majority of when he was here, but he continues to sort of come back and, and be part of things here or there you know, showing love for the city and, and didn't leave on a bad note, didn't really get booted off the team due to horrible play towards the end of his days. I mean, yeah, his his deal ran up and I think he was kind of losing some of his luster, but he doesn't feel like one of those guys that got chewed up and spit out here in Detroit and never, you know, I don't know if his career was done at that point or what, but yeah, Tolik was one of my favorites, just a great guy. And I thought he was a really good player for where they were at that point with the team. I mean, what, 2011, 2012, 2013, those were, you know, decent years there. Okay. Uh, What about this one? 2014, Matt Prater. Remember, we're coming up, what, Henry, Alex Henry, was that the other kicker they drafted? Yeah, I don't know. He drafted somebody who lasted like literally, I don't even know if he got out of the preseason, but, um, you know, that was a, that was a godsend right there because Matt Prater was, a guy that, you know, everybody knew he was good. Everybody knew he was getting helped a little bit by that air in Denver, but a couple off the field issues, a couple missed kicks, whatever it was cut loose by Denver. I remember me and my buddies and everybody saying like, gotta go get Matt Prater, man. I just got rid of him. He's a, he's a more than average kicker, better than average. 
And sure enough, just like my, uh, I don't know if the smoke signals went to Martin Mayhew as they do sometimes to Bob Quinn um, from me to them. But sure enough, like a couple of days later, boom, sign Matt Prater. I was excited about it. The guys come in and been an absolute rock booting 50 yarders left and right solid guy off the field no no off the field issues with drinking or whatever his other previous problems were and just a model citizen so like you say kickers to me are a dime a dozen especially punters um sam martin um but i i feel like you know we did really need one at that point we had been so spoiled by uh, jason hansen that uh prater came in and has solved that that void for us and i know recently he said he wants to be here multiple more years so i'm hoping they kind of just keep him in the fold and and have him till he's in his late 30s 40s as well because you know why why go get another kicker when you got a guy like that that wants to be here and and is really good at what he does okay uh last one before we move on to the other half of the ledger um what'd you think about this one 2013 reggie bush Oh boy, Reggie Bush. I mean, I, the biggest thing I remember about that is like, uh, again, of us getting more into contracts at that point. So Reggie Bush, I can remember his contract like clear as day. It was like, it was like f- either four or five years and like 20 or 25 million, you know, depending on the years, it probably was a four year 20, somewhere in that range. And uh, I remember just looking at that. And at that point, I felt like he had some juice left. I felt like four or five million bucks on average was good for the type of things he might be able to do. There was all this rumor and innuendo. He was all excited, you know, oh, the, the Lions at that point, you know, that nobody put anybody in the box. So he was going to be able just to run free. Um, I remember taking him in a bunch of fantasy leagues after that, thinking that he was going to be the lead dog and get all these, you know, great great um you know rushes and catches and all this stuff and and he came out of the gates nice i remember that first year he he balled out in the beginning i ended up trading him in fantasy football and got a a haul for him and then after that he be he became old reggie bush where he was just like he'd get a run here or there but never really exploded the way you'd hope and you know he 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 was the nate burleson of running backs here he just like he would always talk a good game. He would always tell you what he's going to do. But then when you look at the stat line, it was like, oh, Reggie Bush got, you know, 18 carries for 38 yards again, you know, and a couple catches, you know, great. Um, it just wasn't enough. And he just didn't have enough left and didn't work. And it's too bad. But I, I expected more from the guy, I got to say. Okay. Um, let's do this. Let's hop over to the other side. You got a few names over here. Uh, I want to start with I know you really put that when they signed him. 2017, Paul Warlow. <laughs> Come on, man. You can't hate on Paul Warlow. He's, he's a gritty, <laughs> grimy football player. He's not a dog. He's not a dog. But he was a gritty, nasty backup linebacker, special teamer. I mean, yeah, I was uh, – I can't say he was really on my radar at any level, except the thing I do remember is, you know how the Lions from like, gosh, when was it? All the way back to Mooch, all the way through Captain Rod and and even others where they come in and they'd bring all their old boys around. Like, I, I feel like Paul Warlow was like a, he had all these attachments to whatever regime was there at that point, you know, either Schwartz or whoever it was, was like, Oh, Paul Warlow. We had him in in so such and such, and he's such a such a versatile, tough football player, great special team guy. And it was like, you know, where's Griffco when you need him? Camp fodder. <laughs> you know, he came <laughs> in and was just like that guy that was like here, but you just knew he didn't have it. 
I just, my my favorite thing of him wasn't his, his accent. Didn't he have that kind of that cool southern accent? Am I thinking I, of the right guy? I can't remember. I I I think he like you say. I just remember him being a a backup work hard guy that we got, and people like tried to sell him as like, oh Paul Wardlow, he's he's gonna be good, and it was just kind of like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Let's do this one. How about this one? If you remember, 2012, Drayton Florence. Another one of the backs hoping to help the defensive backfield, but by the time they got him, the guy was talking about over the hill. Right. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't have many memories of Drayton Florence to be honest. Like I, the name sounds familiar, but I can't. I can't put a, a peg to him like the other guys you mentioned so far. Well, yeah, I just remember about Drayton Florence. That guy was getting beat like a dusty rug. That guy, talk, talk about those guys that get old fast. That was Drayton Florence. So I think that you know, he was in Denver, and Denver had a bunch of young DBs. Like, they just, I think I got, like, Akeem Tlaib and everybody like that. So they cut Drayton Florence on lines, picked him up. And, and even at that point, the Lions defensive backfield, you know, wasn't that great. So uh, they signed him, and he just got – Gosh, he was old and slow. I'm talking like Eric Davis when Matt Millen signed him to play safety slow. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he was terrible. Okay. Listen, I uh, I just want to throw this in totally somewhat related, but not quite. On my Believe, B-L-E-A-V, and Lions podcast drops on Mondays. Uh, just cheap plug there. I used one of your catchphrases when I was talking with Logan. I said, man, that guy can't cover a coffee table. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know if I credited you. I think I did mention your name, but uh, try to give you credit because like, I know no one else would ever say that or know why I said that. So I had to give credit where credit's due to my buddy Grifka from the Kool-Aid cast. But yeah, I stole your line on, on Monday. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it, though. Um, I don't, I don't the, know if I've ever used the dusty the road or not. What's that? What? What's your biggest memory, guy? John Who? Wendling, 2011. Who? John Wendling. Don't you remember John Wendling? Isn't he no. the guy that had the skullet? He was, like bald, he was bald up top, but he had like the long hair out the back of the back of the helmet. I think he had the skullet. He was like special teamer. John Wendling. And at one point, he actually had to start at safety. That's how. That's how <laughs> banged up we were in the defensive backfield. And oh, God, yeah. he was terrible back there. It was special I, I team. Think, I, I think you're right. It's coming back to me now. Like uh, white safety, terrible hair, try hard guy that just was no good. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, because you'd see him in the game and his and his hair would be hanging out the bottom. I'm not talking, you know, like you know Al Harris, you know, like with the dreads, but you know, was hanging out the bottom. And then he took his helmet off and he was like completely bald up top. He had the yeah, the skillet. Yeah, that would, that would be a good look if you if you were good at football, but because you're not, it just doesn't work for you. Yeah, you look like you should, you know, not be playing football. Um, what's your biggest memory of this guy? When I saw this name, I just had to laugh because I'll tell you what my favorite memory was if, if you don't pick this one. 2018, Luke Wilson. That's Wilson with two L's, by the way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, the the only thing I remember is, like, Luke Wilson being that guy, we had nobody at tight end at that time. I mean, nobody. So you bring in Luke Wilson, who like everybody knows is not a good football player. He's been a career backup. He's made a couple plays here or there, but nothing. And like, he's literally our starter. Just, just once he signed the contract, he's like our starting tight end. It's just like, you just knew it was trouble. Okay. He's a Canadian. He's goofy. He's got the hair. Like, 
I mean, I can't remember if I tried to justify that at all or say like, oh, well, he knows the system or he's going to be a, you know, a decent role player or whatever I might have said. But I mean, he just was, I think, you know, some publication this week. I didn't totally give it a read. I don't know if it might have been Lions Wire or wherever, but um, they wrote something about the worst free agent signings ever for the Lions. And Luke Wilson was like the cover pitcher or something. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, he he's definitely in like the top ten, man. He was just a complete waste of space. You know what my favorite memory of Luke Wilson is? When we were at training camp and those guys had the Luke Wilson jersey to sign and they were like talking to their buddies on the phone and they were like, Yeah, yeah, we're like friends with the family and you look at me and you're like, Then why are you not in the family section of the crowd? Why are you standing here with us? <laughs> I was like, I was just bust out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are the classic Grifka memories. It's always the most random crap, like what I said to Miles Killebrew about him being in the weight room too much, or what I said to, you know, made fun of Nate Burleson when he was talking with him while you were shaking Slay's hand. What I probably said too, other than why aren't you in the family tent, is like, who cares that you're family of Luke Wilson? Like, I, I probably said, who's Luke Wilson? You know, like, we, what does that matter? Like, that's not like, oh, I'm, I'm Matt Stafford's brother-in-law. It's like, I'm, I'm family members of Luke Wilson. Like, wow, I'm really impressed. The jersey to sign is like, dude, if your family can't, you get them to sign that jersey whenever. I mean, you have to like actually show up for practice. <laughs> Right. I just remember they were like yelling his name too, or they were touting it like it was some big deal. We were just kind of like, wow, these people are just, this is just weird on so many levels. Okay, let's do this. Let's finish up. Last one. 2018, LeGarrette Blunt. LG, I mean, uh, gosh, this was one that bit me. I thought like he'd come in here, he'd, he'd be a, a nasty physical pound it type running back he had had some good years everybody was clamoring for him they they passed on they passed on him they finally bring him in I mean did Larry Blunt have any good games with the Lions I feel like he didn't have any no, good I, games ever <laughs> no I don't think so talk about a guy going down easy just as soon as I mean his his yards after contact had to be like negative two I mean I don't think that guy ran through any tackle he was just looking for somebody to touch him so he could go down and what sucks is like before that he was the guy that would run you over he'd score at the goal line he'd do all these things and like he comes to Detroit and for some reason even though he loved Matt Patricia he was pitter pat in the backfield knocked down by a gust of wind like he just I don't know what happened to the guy he was he was always nasty until he came here and he just gave up on himself and the team it felt like but yeah LG was a big swing and miss I mean if I remember correctly too they gave him like a good four you know, $4 million somewhere in that range. And, yeah. That was, that was, that was taking the money and running. You know, that's, that's what they did. Talk about highway robbery right there. Yeah. Not good, man. Not good at all. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. You know, this little trek down memory lane. I like talking about these guys every <laughs> once in a while, especially the memories of Luke Wilson's family standing out there with their Jersey waiting for him to sign it. <laughs> with two L's. Probably, with two probably, L. the jersey, probably the Jersey only had one L. They got it made at the local screen printer. <laughs> Just <laughs> for, Like who could we get that might like, halfway think that we're his family members and just hey let's 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 get the white guy with the long hair that spells his name weird 
and yeah, then try to pull the wool, wool over like maybe we, maybe we can sneak in the family tent that way even though we're not family we'll pretend we're family yeah oh, and anyway grifka like maybe next week we'll do some more like uh you know we didn't get in my my 2000 you know greatest lions at each position so maybe we'll tackle that next week as well as some other uh former players that make us laugh or that we have funny stories about because like you say until we get a couple more weeks down the road probably not much uh, coming out except for I did predict the Lions would side Davion Clowney before the 4th of July holiday a few weeks ago on a podcast here on the DKC so I mean everybody keep your ears out for that I'm sure that's coming down the pike any day now other than that Grifka you got anything else for the people uh nope everybody we had uh, some arguments on Wednesday we, we were all over the map. Here we are on a Friday. Griffith got me a little upset. Tried to have some strong takes for you guys. Again, I love the Detroit Lions. I love the Ford family. I love all the different things that this team has going. But I do get frustrated, I got to say, with some of this back and forth talk or these articles that Grifka brings to my attention or some of his topics. So try to have fun with it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back next week two episodes here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast talking lions. And then uh, you can catch my believe B L E A V and lions podcast drops Monday morning where uh, we'll be talking all things lions as well. So everybody, we thank you so much for listening. Take care. Have a great weekend. We're out. Drink it in, man.